0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my he- nephew needs me to record. See, I
0: hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Good evening, and welcome to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by someone I grew up watching a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I am almost thirty now, and he can be no more than almost thirty if my math checks out. But it's Terrence Mathis, former. Atlanta Falcon great wide receiver who tonight I learned while brushing up on some stuff with Terrence is that he was indestructible in that he only missed two games and still just put on a show that one season where he had that just incredible stuff but anyway Terrence Mathis is here Terrence good evening sir how are you doing
2: I'm doing great how are you this evening thanks for having me on yeah I'm I'm a little bit older than you not
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe just a little but it was funny to think about. Just I, I know where I was for that Super Bowl. I, I remember watching it at my grandparents' house. I remember um, just the the whole feeling of going into it. I remember the Vikings game very vividly. But it's it's interesting to look back. It doesn't feel like that long ago. Does it feel like that long ago for you?
2: It does. You know, I was I was just thinking today, and I was talking to some young men, and I was talking about that '98 season. And I'm looking in their faces and, and, um, I know, <laughs> I know some of them weren't even born yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was the crazy thing. And I was like, they're looking at me like 98, they wouldn't be born. Some of them. I mean, um, there are kids think, driving
0: around Atlanta right now who are born post 2000. That just blows my mind. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy.
0: But, um, but yeah. yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I was just saying, it's just, you know, time flies. And, you know, it was funny because I was I was telling the young guys, I said, I will cut my pinky finger off to play one more game. And that would be an extra, <laughs> to be the Super Bowl game. Just one more game. I just want one more game, the Super Bowl. I want a chance to get a Super Bowl ring.
0: <laughs> I mean, there was a time when the Patriots um, probably would have given you that one game. I mean... There there was a moment where they, they, you were old and, like, you were still, if you're in good shape, you never know. They, Belichick likes his veterans, so there were certain teams that uh, probably would have given you that one-game option.
2: Yeah, there was a couple of teams reached out to me after the 2002 season, mm. and um, it just didn't work out. You know,
1: Denver was one of
2: those, and it just didn't work out. So, you know, it is what it is, and I just went on ahead and hung it up after that.
0: Well, what is Terrence Mathis doing right now to stay busy? Like, let's just forget the corona stuff and how that changes everything. But how have you stayed busy? Um, just recently, oh, last but just years. since you've been out of
2: the league. Yeah. Well, uh, last three years, I coached um, high school football. I was head football coach at Pinecrest Academy here in Cumming, Georgia. And um, that, you know, didn't win many things, but it was, it was very mm-hmm. fulfilling. Learned a lot about myself. Um, you know, one thing that you know, I really found out that, you know, when you have a great staff around you, it it makes your job a, a lot easier. And you know, the first year I, I didn't. The last two years, I had marvelous staff, and everything went well. You know, at the end, at the end of the day, we didn't have enough kids on the roster. Um, we weren't big enough, you know, and fast enough um, for some up, for for some teams. But, you know, it was very, very enjoyable. And then at the same time I'm getting ready to send my son off to college and probably, uh, in probably July. He's so he is going. In, in, yeah, he's
0: in, going in class. He's not going to be doing distance learning this fall.
2: No, he's leaving for Tyler Junior College to play football in July. Okay. So, um, you know, but other than that, you know, I've just been, been, been a husband and a father and trying to stay in shape and, you know, doing things here and there.
0: Do you want to continue coaching? Is that something you said it was fulfilling? Was it, is it something that you still want to do down the line? Is yes.
2: that you still, yes. Yeah. I, I, I plan to do an internship with the Falcons this summer. Okay. And um, I hope that goes well. Um, if not the Falcons, it would be with some team this summer. And I hope all that goes well. I'm going to go in there and grind and show that I'm a hard worker and I'm um, Willing to put in the time and the work, and hopefully, I, I get a contract.
0: Well, I hope so too. That would be cool to have Terrence Mathis back uh, in some red and black. Um, Redan, I didn't realize you had gone to Redan, and I'm from Stone Mountain, and took my driver's test in Lithonia, and I, uh, I went to Parview. Um, do you still yeah. go back
2: to that area? Like how? Like I, what I was do. That like I do every every once in a while, you know. I take my son, I get the family in the car, and we go back down memory lane. Mm. You know, I always stop where, you know, when we moved here to Georgia, I was 11 years old. So I take him back to the first place we lived, all the way up to the last place we lived. And Reed Ann is always on the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my, my son always just goes, wow, I wish I could go to Reed Ann and follow in your footsteps. I says, well, we're not in this area, so that won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> But it was, you know, uh, back then, DeKalb County football was like Gwinnett County football. Yeah. Up to You know, it was a who's who of college football and professional football coming out of DeKalb County. And it was a fun time back in the 80s. Yes. Yeah.
0: And that's like how Gwinnett was for the 2000s. And that's kind of shifted. And it seems like it goes in cycles where it does. I, I, who knows what it's going to be 10 years from now. I mean, Forsyth is growing the area you're very familiar with. My family's yeah. Yeah. there now in the Johns Creek and all that kind of stuff area. And that's <laughs> getting bigger and bigger. And you have that super huge school um, named after the doctor. I'm blanking on the name. You know what it is. It's like the Denmark.
2: Yes, Denmark. There it is. Yeah. Um, but and, they yeah. built in another super huge one in Forsyth County bigger oh, than really? that. East Forsyth High School That's okay. going to open into wherever in 2021. And that school is huge.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's probably for the best because I think they were already overcrowded in a lot of those areas, especially like Lambert and all yeah. of them, those clusters. That's where my brother actually yes. graduated from. Um, but That's really cool. Um, Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, you still have Stevenson, DeKalb, like still has some. MLK had yeah. a good run a Thank couple you. years ago, I mm-hmm. seem to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. I, I I would like to see what happens. And I mean, they still get a lot of college kids um to like Miami and different places like that. So it's still a good yeah. recruiting bed, depending on where you go. And also, DeKalb County is huge.
2: <laughs> yeah, DeKalb County is huge. You know, it is it is a, it's still a hot bed because, like you said, you you still have Southwest DeKalb Yep. Um, over there, like you said, Stevenson, MLK. Uh, you have some schools over there that have a lot of talent. You know, and at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, you know, Cab County just—I don't want to speak anything bad about the Cab County, but it just has to get better. You know, I think the 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 financial situation over there, um, businesses uh, has to come back to the county, um, and we just got to do right financially. And now you'll see the county grow for the school systems and everything. I just think the school systems need some help um, on the educational part and the sports part. So, you know, they're not far off, you know, just a little, you know, help here and there. And they, they'll be back on the rise again.
0: For you, going from Stone Mountain, Redan area to University of New Mexico, I don't think I've ever met anyone who said Stone Mountain reminds them a lot of uh, their time in New Mexico. For you, what was the biggest adjust- adjustment from uh, moving just across the country into New Mexico for college?
2: I love my greenery. <laughs> and it was brown there. Because <laughs> you had desert, you had mountains, you had the mesas, you had some greenery, but you didn't have like you had in the South. And you know I miss that. I miss I miss the humidity there. Uh, Well, you know when we got, it was so dry air in New Mexico. And then you were you were almost a mile high in, in altitude. And it, but you know what? The thing is, I love the culture. I okay. love the I love the I love the food. I love the people there. Um, great, great people there in Albuquerque and in the state of New Mexico. You know, even the tribes, um, the reservations, the the Santa Fe, uh, my green chili, chicken enchiladas. I miss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where was your spot? Did you have a specific spot that you used to go and get those?
2: It, you know, there was there's a place called Sadies. Okay. That's there that I that I as soon as I hit the city, that's one of the first places I go and eat Mercedes.
0: interesting, okay um that's 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 interesting. Um do you think because i I wonder about this too, and Malcolm Gladwell wrote about this in David versus David and Goliath um years ago. But I think it's a it's a prudent point and something that makes a lot of sense to me is that sometimes, like being a big fish in a small pond is better than being a small fish in a big pond that sometimes going to a situation where you'll be at the top, like being the top student at Maryland might be better than being the 75th best student at Harvard, just for your Mm -hmm. uh, development, for your confidence, for all these different things. Cause he has a a whole study about someone who chose the Harvard route instead of um, just being the top of her class at Maryland. And I thought it was really interesting and instructive. And for you, you set all these records at University of New Mexico that I would imagine would have been more difficult had you gone to Georgia. Do you think about that at all, that playing at New Mexico kind of jump-started you and gave you an advantage that most people may not necessarily believe playing at New Mexico would give someone?
2: Well, you know, I it, it's funny because that's the only, New Mexico is the only Division one school offering you a scholarship. Interesting. Um, the thing is, you know, I don't know. I went to New Mexico to prove to the southeast and the SACC that mm-hmm. I could play football in those conferences. Yeah. and I, I guess I played with a chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. and that's probably, you know, which alluded to the success that I had. Um if you look if if, if you look at stats over the years that I was at New Mexico. Every time we played a SEC or ACC school, I had good numbers. <laughs> and that was not and, a know, coincidence. It, it was not a coincidence. You know, from you know, from Tennessee to Florida to Arkansas, you know, uh, you know, other places like Memphis, Memphis State at the time it was. You know, it was you know Nebraska. You know, those schools like that. You know, even Arizona out west. You know, just playing against schools like that you know it was my time to say hey I can play with you big boys and I did <laughs> and I played well and you know think that and like you say I, I don't know I can't answer that but I do know this is that I played with a chip on my shoulder would I have played with a chip on my shoulder if I was at Clemson or Georgia or Tennessee or any place like that I don't know um but you know god had a plan and he wanted me to go there so I could be successful
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, look at Randy Moss, guy you have a lot of experience with. I mean, going to Marshall, like it's still insane. Like, what did all these other coaches miss about Randy Moss right. that Marshall yeah. got right? And does he have the same <laughs> career if he goes to a big school and he doesn't just right. put on a show? Like, I I think about that kind of dynamic a lot, and I think more yeah. kids yeah. should be aware of that. And that's why I think the transfer portal is so popular now. As kids go to the big schools, they go to Alabama. And they realize they're mm-hmm. just surrounded by a bunch of other stars and they can't get on the field. And it's well, just different.
2: I think when you're 18, the thought of going to a big school, not only are your parents excited and have bragging rights, but mm-hmm. your your school and your community and yourself. And then you, and I tell young kids all the time, you know, I'm like, if you're running back and you're being recruited by some of the power five schools, guess how many other running backs they are recruiting? Yeah. You know, you're not the only one in the country that they're recruiting. Right. So go go somewhere where you know you can play right away and and do well. Because it doesn't matter where you go to school at. If you can play, the scout's going to find you and you're going to get drafted and get a chance to play in the NFL. It, just because, yeah, your odds, your odds going to one of the power fives are, are greater. But you better be that dude when you decide to go to a power five.
0: Yeah, and if it works out, great. Then you're going to have all these eyeballs and everything yeah. that comes with mm-hmm. being a star at a power five school mm-hmm. is more enjoyable because even if you're a star yeah. at a group of five school, nobody knows who you are. Like nobody right. know like you have to just be ridiculous. And You got to be ridiculous, yeah. And even that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like Andy Isabella, mm-hmm. if people look at his UMass production and what he was doing, even in against um Georgia in that game, I remember he was the only guy doing anything. And it reminded me of Antonio Brown when he was at Central Michigan and he put on a show mm-hmm. in East Georgia. But it's just like it, it, you you're still not gonna get all like even if you work really hard and you flourish and you have this great pro career, like that time in your life is still gonna be hard because you're gonna have no eyeballs, no kind of just interest. You're gonna have to do it all yourself. It's a very um different different lifestyle different um different thing but I think it helps these guys I really do I don't think Antonio Brown becomes one of the best receivers in the last 20 years without playing at Central Michigan like I just don't
3: right, right. Exactly
0: Um okay. do you like the Danny Gonzalez hire? What do you know about Danny Gonzalez and uh, the direction of New Mexico football right now
3: Well um
2: I thought it was a good I, I thought it was a good hire I I think this the the city, the state was looking for someone that could rejuvenize the program to get um, more people at the games whatsoever. So they hired one of their own um, from from the state of New Mexico, played at New Mexico, coached at New Mexico at some point, And, you know, that people were familiar with. And, I, you know, that, you know, that was, you know, not only was it a good coaching hire because he i think he put together a really good staff but also that was a good PR hire you know it's 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 popular it's popular choice but but it's good the popular choice to coach football too you know so yeah. uh, it should be a win-win situation for them you know
0: what um in your estimation based on your time there and people you know and that most people may not know about New Mexico, what makes it a difficult job to win consistently and really grow that program? What are some obstacles that you've noticed that you've thought about
2: a lot? Um, when you come, when you come into Albuquerque, uh, it's just, it's just the university of New Mexico. Okay. You know, when yeah. you, you know, when you go into the Dallas area, but you got about eight schools that you can visit. Once you hit Dallas, you know, same thing with California. Uh, same thing with, um, you know, some other states. But you know, Florida is the same way. But when you when you come into Albuquerque, you know, it's that's it. You know, it's it's um, it's tough to recruit. Be, it's tough to recruit. To get kids to come to Albuquerque because of the fact that, um, first of all, they don't know much about the state of New Mexico. Secondly, they don't, you know, the the program is is not one that's uh, popular in college football whatsoever. But you know, one of the things, you know, the one of the things you just got to have you, in today's recruiting game, mm-hmm. and and I have said this. And, and 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 don't don't take it the wrong way. Okay. But in today's recruiting game, if you don't have a recruiter that can go in the inner city and have a candid conversation with mama, daddy, and grandma, you you can't win in recruiting. You can't. You can't win in recruiting because at the end of the day, you know, I'm not saying uh the inner city kids are the best kids to go get. But what I am saying is there's some kids there that, uh, are hungry, that are smart, that intelligent, that come from good families whatsoever. And they get passed over because recruiters, some recruiters uh, are scared to go into the city. Um, or you don't have a guy on your staff that has the knowledge or the whereabouts to go into the inner city. Um, so when you when you hire a staff, you better make sure your staff is equipped to go recruit anywhere there is. And that's how you win in recruiting. Think about this. The reason Nick Saban can go into any any city in America is because he wins
3: football games. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: he, you know what I'm saying? It sells and Everybody itself. knows who Nick Saban is. Right. Right? Ain't as simple. He can do that. Mm. Uh, a Herm Edwards can do that.
3: Yeah.
2: A uh, Dabo Sweeney can do that. But there's some coaches that you know that can't do it because if 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 you're not you know if you're not liked or you're not loved nationally, it's hard to recruit.
3: Yeah.
2: It's very hard to recruit. You you can. The the problem is is this. is is this in recruiting, especially for a school like New Mexico, is this. You can never have the mindset to say, oh, we never can get a five-star or four-star football player, so we're going to settle for threes and twos and ones or whatever we can get. You don't ever do that. Mm -hmm. You don't ever do that. You You always have to make your top two on your board in each position a five and a four. Let me tell you why, because at the end of the day, if you miss out on a five and a four, you're going to get a three. If you start out with a three and a two and you miss out on the three and two, guess what you're getting? <laughs> <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying there? I do. You know, yeah. because because if if you go into a place and, you, and you're recruiting a five and a four, number three is going, this must be something about that school. Right, they're, they're recruiting. What's the name? And he's a
0: ESPN 100.
1: You, yeah, Matt what I'm doing saying? it
0: right now in North Carolina, where you start getting yeah. that conversation. Then other recruits see. Wait a second, we can go to North yeah. Carolina Wait, now. <laughs>
2: yeah, we go exactly, and and all it takes is one. You get one, you win one over. You're gonna have the next five years and ten years. You're gonna be very special. Yeah,
0: as long as you yeah. don't mess up when they get there, <laughs> you don't, don't me, lie to them. Long until, yeah.
2: Understand, understanding, understand this recruiting strategy for for New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, you can come in here, and like you said, be a big fish in a big in, in a small pond. Be all conference, be all American, and He's and do well. Retired
0: like Terrence Mathis. Right? Yeah, do
2: well yeah. and. And then they go, well, but y'all don't, okay. Do you you know whose names are on our stadium? Brian Erlacher, Terrence Mathis. And then guess what happens? Oh, really? They went to school there? Yes. Now that's where you start winning recruiting battles. Okay. You know, look, you can go, okay, you can go to Clemson and then don't play until your junior year. You can go to Alabama. And don't play until your senior year, or you can go to New Mexico, start as a freshman, and be going after your junior year and get drafted in first three rounds. What do you want to do? Yeah,
0: that's what they have to do. And I think certain yeah. schools can do it and certain I, we're seeing it a little bit. Like we're seeing the right, I mean, Hermed we're just going to recruit. Well, like you see what PJ Fleck is doing in Minnesota. Like there are certain exactly. coaches can do it because I don't like the idea where <laughs> oh you're just in an unattainable situation. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe that. I just, I think there's a way you just have to adjust based on what you're given and what's around you. And right. certain resources are different depending on school to school. But mm-hmm. like you said, you have to, you can't just get, throw your hands up and be like, this is the way it is. You can find ways around
2: it. You just have to get creative. Yeah, yeah you got to be creative. You got to be really, really creative. And you, your alumni has to be a part of your recruiting mm-hmm. process, too. When these kids come in to, to be able to say, hey, this is a great place. Or like, some of your alumni still live there. You know, all these things. You, gotta, you know, you got to really sell it. You know, you, you, you got to make the kid feel like, oh, this feels like home you know, but at the same time, let me know, Hey, well, I'm recruiting you to win football games. Okay. Yeah. You're going to get your, listen, we're going to make sure you graduate mm. the way colleges do it. Now you're going to graduate, you're going to graduate. Um, they're going to make sure they're going to make sure you got tutors, make sure you got the resources to graduate. But at, at the end of the day, you know, why you getting your degree, we won a championship too.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's amazing how many like redshirt sophomores are graduating, like the uh the North Dakota State quarterback who's yeah. probably gonna go in the top ten this year that people need to be aware of if they're not already. Yeah. This kid's gonna I forgot mm-hmm. is Trey Lyles, I think is his name. Um, but he's like already because like a lot of those small schools, and I'm sure you could pick this too, is that how important the senior bowl is? To those kids, yeah. because they're not on television mm-hmm. at all. So scouts, mm-hmm. scouts aren't going to New Mexico every week to check no. out no. Um, random mm-hmm. guys. You have to really mm-hmm. show out at the Senior Bowl. So graduating is really, right. really important before you go to the NFL draft. Like they were talking about that on PFF's two for one podcast this week, which um, helped Carson win a lot. Like Carson being able to perform in front of a bunch of scouts and Senior Bowl. Rocketed him up the charts. And I think if you're at one of these smaller schools, you need that. You need to graduate early because you need to be at that senior bowl invite level. Mm -hmm. For you, Terrence, what was the biggest college to pro adjustment when you went to the jets and you were like, Oh, I'm getting paid for this. Now I have to go make this work. I have to be a star. This is all on me. I'm in, I'm in the big game. Now, what was the biggest adjustment for you?
2: Speed of the game. Okay, that that was that was the biggest adjustment for me because you know in college you were one of the faster guys, mm-hmm. you can catch balls, run away from people, you can separate in routes, all those things. But you know, and then you know, if if you you know, in college, you know, basically unless you're one of the top ten schools in the country, uh, you know you may have. Four or five guys on the defense that can really, really flat out play. And the other ones are role players. But in the NFL, eleven guys, only eleven guys can play and they're backups.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that that's the difference, you know, and that's the difference. And it was it was an adjustment because now I ha- I had to study my opponent more. And study exactly where I needed to be and where and where they were on the field, so and the speed of the game and and understanding how quick they react and how quick the defense moves and how fast I need to move and where I need to be timing and it was about all about timing um so that was the biggest biggest adjustment uh, The good thing is is that you know i and you know, I had uh four years in New York to really get my feet wet. Mm. You know, played a played a lot, and then when it was time for me to step in as a starter here in Atlanta, it just blossomed for me because I took those four years. I, you know, I didn't pout. You know, I pouted that I should have been playing more, but I took. What I did was I took practices like it was my game day mm. because I knew I wasn't going to play much. So every every opportunity I got a chance to go against the first defense, I wanted to. That was my game day. Mm. So. And that's what prepared me in year five um, when I came here to Atlanta, because I, I took practice like, like it was game day.
0: How in your estimation has the wide receiver position changed from when you were in your playing?
2: They're bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, 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 they're a lot bigger. Um, but the, the, you know, the, the position, you know, is the game has changed. It's different times, you know. The, the game has changed. It's, it's it's an offensive game now because of the fact that, you know, the no contact rule, the, the the illegal hits, the head to head contact whatsoever, and and I, and I, and, I, and receivers are catching a lot more balls now. Um, is it because of the rule changes? It, that's part of it. Is it because they throw the football more? That's part of it. Is it because the game has sped up as play's been called? That's part of it. So it's just a different time and you know, these these young men are really relishing and and, and having a blast during this time frame.
0: That's interesting too, because I there, uh, there's got to be so many wide receivers, I mean, yourself included, that just you look at today's game and you look at the three wide receiver sets where you have like the Rams just running 11 personnel, 98% of their snaps. And just, right. just that would have been so much fun to play in, right? Like you think about how right. much you would have been able to do in that scheme and just seeing guys like Tyreek Hill just become unstoppable. You're like, oh, right. if you're fast and you can get open, they're going to give you the ball over and over again because this is a matchup right. league where if they can... Right. If if Bill Belichick can challenge you 19 times a game, he's going to challenge you 19 times a game. Not He's not going to spread exactly. it around just because he wants to and it's just better for everybody. No, they're going to target it over and over again. Patrick Mahomes targets Travis Kelsey and Terry Kill a ridiculous right. amount of times per game. It's smart, and you can't right. stop it, so what do you do? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think about that a lot of just like what you would have done? Because you were successful in an era where everyone thinks about the running back and Jamal Anderson types. They don't think yeah. about... Just what you were doing, yeah, the through The receivers. air, Do you what do you think yeah, about that? I, I think
2: about I think about that, and I think I'd have had fun during this time. I think I'd have had a lot of fun during this time, you know, with my size and my quickness, and you know the way I played. I think I'd have, I think I'd have had a, a would have had fun playing in this era, you know. Um, you know the the problem that defenses see now is this. You know, you you only can pay two corners. You only can pay them. Um, certain amount of money to so, to be successful defensively and with the way the offenses are now, you're gonna have to have three or four defensive backs that are pretty much starters. They got to be four guys that are starter types. Yeah, Nicholas's on the, the base field now. at one time to to stop like Kansas City, to stop teams like that. You know, stop teams like uh, New Orleans, even the Falcons. You got to have. You got your your third defensive back has to be a starter, pretty much caliber type of guy, right? And you know, and and I think the offense has figured that out. You know, okay, here's a kid has he's gonna come on the field when we go three, four wide receivers. He doesn't play much. He doesn't give him many reps. So we're gonna put our starter in the slot against the number three or number four defensive back. And have a field day and that's what they do matchups they create matchup problems
0: yeah and it's it's smart it's it can get,
3: uh, it can get
0: it. monotonous but i i enjoy it because i just think that's that's a smart thing it's like why were not we doing that forever if the game evolves and you just there's certain things where you're like yeah why weren't we doing that before what were we doing why right. aren't are we, we doing play action way more than we yeah. do now like you don't even need a good running back to be successful in play action we found that just yeah. because the defense has to think, even if you have a bad running think. back and a bad offensive line, that if you have a good quarterback who is able to sell that for a split second, that can give somebody like Terrence Mathis that one little bit of separation to get open that he would not have gotten if defense does not have to look to see if they were handing the ball right. off. Right, um, exactly. It's interesting. Do you think, you, it sounds like you might uh, agree with me here, but I think being a corner is like the the least fun position you could be in football just because all the fans hate you they're just they're because there's no winning like they only remember if you are like a Marcus Peters type and you can get some interceptions that are memorable and you're you're fun that way but by and large it seems like so many fans are just so annoyed about oh this guy got burned how do you get let this guy get behind you it's a very thankless job because the best corners aren't getting targeted. Like Daryl Revis, the Revis Island stuff was a big thing because yeah. nobody was targeting him. Like that's when you are a good corner when nobody's watching you. It's a very thankless yeah. job, right?
2: You're going to, yeah, you have to have thick skin for one and you got to have a short term memory because there's going to be times <laughs> where you're going to compete and there's going to be times where people going to get on you and you got to just go out there and play your game. Like, like, uh, you know, like you said about Revis, corners are on the island. They are on the island, especially when when you go three receivers to one side and one to the other, and you matched up with Julio Jones by yourself over there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's third and sixth, and you know it's man to man because you got to put pressure on the quarterback. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough job. That's a really, really tough job.
0: Did you ever look at a corner in the <laughs> eyes uh, in that kind of situation with man-on-man man, and you just knew, and he also knew that he wasn't going to be able to stay with you?
2: But, you know, a few times, you know, when, when the guy is back and he come up and bump, you know, to try to get in your face, I, I I laugh and say, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I mean, it's sure all I can you do, wanna, right? I, and I, you know, I'd be messing with him. i so say, you sure you want to do this? <laughs> and it's it, it's fun. It's just fun, man. It, you know, we had we had fun when we played, you know. Who was the
0: best trash talker <laughs> that we may not know of? Who do you remember just being an all time
2: great trash talker? Oh shoot. Um Tyrone Poole. Okay. Was a was a for you know, I think he was had a little man syndrome. And he just, you know, coming from a small school, he wanted to prove he belonged, so he talked a lot. He i
0: met him. A He's a super nice guy. I like Tyron. Yeah, he's,
2: he's, he's a very nice guy, but he talked a lot. And, he's
0: also you know, jacked. And, and I, Have you seen him recently? Yeah, that guy is still yeah. jacked. If people don't know, yeah. Tyron Poole stays in shape, folks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I used to say this to to those who talked all the time. I said, okay, all right, you knocked the ball down.
3: You
2: covered me once. Okay. The 10 times I was targeted, I caught eight balls <laughs> from over 100 yards and scored, and scored two touchdowns.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: you knocked down one ball. Who won for the day? <laughs> so, you know, that one time you knocked the ball down and you walking, jogging behind me, yapping in my ear, but you forgot the other six catches and the two touchdowns that I already had. So, <laughs> you know? And that's I how you, to enjoy that how you that, get back I would at guess. <laughs> That's how I used to get back at them. They used to make them so used to piss them off so bad when I used to do that. I, or I say, "Where are you gonna be at in the fourth quarter?
3: Mm-hmm. Fourth
2: quarter, four to come, I, I score and I, you know, have to I score and they jogging back. You know, I jog an eight year. I I told you.' <laughs> and people didn't people wouldn't even think that I was a trash talker, which I wasn't, but I knew how to get back at you when I needed to.
0: Okay, so you weren't a starter, but you were a finisher. Um, yeah. What was your favorite, this is a two-parter, what was your favorite route to run? Like when that route was called for you, you were like, okay, this is my thing, mm-hmm. I love this. And then what was, what, since you've been coaching and you've been around a lot of kids, what do you think is the hardest route to teach? Uh,
2: My favorite route was, it was a, what we call a speed out. It okay. was, it was a 10 to 12 yard speed turn to the sideline. Um, and how we were, how, how I teach today, it's six steps and turn the corner. And that was my favorite route because it didn't matter what you did. I was going to run that route and break it off so hard that you had nothing, you could do nothing about it. <laughs> it was simply a speed thing. Yeah. And, and, and timing and Chris Chandler threw that ball on time every single time. Every single time, and then the hardest route to teach um young kids is the curl route and you don't even huh. see it in a, in a lot of offensive systems anymore because it's hard to teach but it's is it's one route that is is viable um especially on the high school level because uh you can manipulate the the safety or the flat defender what we call it the flat defender mm-hmm. and you know, we threw it a lot in in high school. It's it's a great route.
0: Why is it hard to teach? What about that route in particular makes it hard? Um,
2: it's it's because you know some guys won't get the proper depth. Some mm-hmm. guys won't come back. Some guys won't come back to the quarterback. Angles are off. Quarterback is timing is off. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, also you have to set the route up. You know, you have to manipulate so many different parts of it. You know, people think, oh, you were going to just run a curl route at 12 yards. So we're going to have the inside guy. It could be the slot guy or the tight end run a five yard out. And then we're going to read the flat defender. No, no, no. You're going to get that route picked off because the mic Backer going to get right up under it and pick it off. <laughs> so you got to manipulate it. And how do you manipulate it is you take your back. And swing him away from the curl route, so the Mike Backer can adjust to the back, so he's out of the throwing lane. Or you go three by one, and you take the most inside guy and run him on a dig route to hold the Mike Backer. Now you got a bigger hole. <laughs> Interesting. So there's, there's this is why you can't do for- this in high school
0: because that seems very, very difficult to teach a bunch of high school kids.
2: You know what? I had I had a bunch of guys that were very smart and understood it. You know, understood it. You know, it's one of those things that if if it's in your playbook it, and if you want to make it your bread and butter on third and eight, mm-hmm. where, where you know you're going to get some type of zone, you, you better put it in your offense.
0: Interesting. Yeah. It seems like a lot of high school now is a lot of crossing routes, a lot of quick RPOs and just see, and like the, the longer developing routes, it just seems like maybe it's the offensive line play too, is you just get nervous about whether or not your quarterback can sit in the, in the pocket and take a hit for a three-step drop or whatever, as long as it needs for a curl route to develop. I don't know. I wonder if that's uh well, uh,
2: yeah, I, I you know, I, I think it's, it's easier to teach RPOs. Mm-hmm. It's easier to teach crossing routes, you know, for, uh, for myself, you know, my team, we ran, we ran, uh, a pro offense and they did. So you're we talking did about under
0: center, the majority of the snaps
2: and everything. Well, not well. we started that way, but then we got in the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you, what I taught my quarterback is if it's, if, if it's three steps, on that third step, that ball better be going out somewhere. <laughs> I don't care if you throw it over their head in the ground. Because if you didn't have an offensive line that could hold up, you get three steps and hold that ball, you're gonna get hit in the mouth. So yeah. we talk, you know, I taught the quarterback how, you know, if it's a three step, if it's a three step, let it go. If it's a three step and a and a hitch, let it go. If it's a five step, let it go. So we the routes depended on the steps of the quarterback and he knew that once I get at a certain point I gotta let the ball go somewhere
0: I don't know if you'll be able to answer this Terrence but I have to ask because it's something I think about a lot too and it's not just because of the Eugene Robinson (laughs) aspect of this but Mm -hmm. if you play that Broncos team a hundred times you play play that game a hundred times how many times do you think Atlanta wins
2: 80
0: really okay Mm
3: Mhm,
0: mhm. That actually doesn't help. That makes things worse for me that 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 doesn't help now yeah. it just
2: yeah you think about it if you think about it, we outplayed them between the twenties mm-hmm. we just could we just couldn't score, and then the turnovers killed us. you know, so you know at the end of the day, you know you think about it they had the the one big play that kind of burst a bubble. But you know, other than that, we moved the ball. Um, it was only probably three plays in the game that decided that game.
0: People, people think don't that game was more of a blowout than it
2: actually was. So no, it was a two score it was, game. Oh, it, it was closer than people. It was really, really close game. Yeah, I remember, you know, one time we went forward on we went forward on uh, fourth and one, and we didn't get it. Uh, we missed the field goal. Um we were going we were going in we threw an interception we threw actually we threw two interceptions um whatsoever when we were across on the other side of the fifty
3: mm-hmm.
2: um we missed some you know it was you know it was closer than what people think it was it was really it was a really really close game.
0: If you and Tim Dwight had a a race, did y'all ever race? Who was faster in their prime, you or Dwight? Because he did have a kickoff return touchdown in that game. I feel like I remember.
3: Yeah,
2: um, I think I'd have got him. People don't. People don't. People didn't think I was that fast.
0: They need to watch your Jets tape. I watched <laughs> like you were. Yeah, people, you, you could move, man. You were a speedster. People,
2: yeah, people didn't think I was that fast, but because of what I, you know, I didn't perform well at the combine. But, you know, in my prime, I ran a 4.39. So that's blazing. People, didn't, people didn't realize, like, when you watch film and you you see me catching long touchdowns and stuff like that, I can run. Or if you see me catch one and take off, I, I could run. But people didn't realize that because I didn't have to do it a lot you know what I'm saying I wasn't known for that put it that way
0: yeah but I mean I think it it, that's another thing that's changed it's like that's a positive now like most teams like you saw Ruggs was the first wide receiver taken and he did not Mm -hmm. have a better college tape than Judy or CeeDee Lamb but he had the speed and that's just that's moved up to the top of a lot of teams draft boards it's just how fast is this guy because this league is so fast heavy
2: you know what some teams get it right. Some teams, you know, it's a crapshoot. You know, my, my whole thing is, look, you give me an athletic kid with some balance and some sort of ability, I can get him to pass the test at the combine. I can give him all the answers to the test. You give me six weeks with him, he I can get him running fast, I can get him running high, I can get him jumping far, I can get him catching balls, I can get him bench pressing, I can get him doing all the drills properly, but that don't mean he can play football. <laughs> but I can get him to pass the test. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Right. It, it's almost like, you know, you're studying, you're studying, you're studying, you're studying, so you're taking, you taking, you, you're you studying for the bar, you're studying for the bar exam, and then you pass it, but that don't mean you're going to be a good lawyer.
0: It just means you're a good test taker.
2: <laughs> exactly. You know, so so some teams get it right and some teams don't.
0: Yeah, and it seems like those teams perpetually get it wrong, and some of those teams perpetually get it right. It's it's funny how that works. Uh, something's yeah, isn't that fun thing. Um, last thing, and we'll wrap up here, Terrence. What are what are your future goals? What is what does the future hold for Terrence Mathis?
2: Hopefully, in the next year or two, on my head football coach at a college in the college program okay that's the goal all right well you have my
0: vote you have me as a reference the chase hummus podcast is behind you (laughs) (laughs) let's get terrence mathis a a college football head coaching job let's do it
2: anything is possible and and when i get it i will take your call and do your podcast
0: okay uh, that's that sounds like a good agreement to me. I, that works for me, Terrence. Terrence, this has been great, very informative. I've very much enjoyed talking with you tonight. I appreciate the time. Um, definitely go check follow Terrence, at Terrence Mathis, and uh, look out for him on the sidelines in the next year or two, and uh, you'll you'll see a familiar face, guy that uh, was burning NFL uh, defenses for years and. Now he might uh, be burning some opposing college ball coaches. So we shall see. I'm excited about it, Terrence. Thank you so much. Stay safe while this is going thank on, and uh, good luck with everything.
2: All right. Thank you.
1: This is Ben Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or co-worker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. Goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast, hell yeah. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network
2: in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S.
3: report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.